welcome to the Innovation Roundtable Insights Podcast. This episode was recorded in Copenhagen during the 2017 Innovation Roundtable Summit, where our colleague Leonard sat down with Valerio Nanini, Senior Vice President and Head of Strategies and Performance at Nestle, for a discussion about the digital transformation of R&D, designing future strategies, and the development of a digital technology platform for nutrition and wellness. Other core elements that emerged during the discussion include how to assemble innovation teams, the importance of leadership, and how platforms, not products, will be the future of innovation. Valerio, thank you very much for your presentation you've just uh, given, and thank you for joining me in my little backstage studio here at the Innovation Roundtable. Maybe we can start the interview by you just briefly explaining who you are, uh, what company you work for, and what uh, role you have at the moment. Oh, absolutely. I think it's a pleasure to be here, first of all, and having the opportunity to have a chat with you. It's always good. My name is Valerio Nanini. Uh, I work for Nestle uh, in Switzerland, uh, where I have a global role. Uh, I'm the head of uh, strategy and performance, reporting to the chief technology officer. And in this type of role, we are connecting a lot with uh, the outside world and looking for new opportunities for our company in the future. Maybe as a starting point, how would you describe kind of the innovation principles of Nestle and maybe broader ask, or what, what does the innovation framework look like, if you describe it like that? Well, uh, innovation has been always in the DNA of the company since more than 150 years. It started with Henry Nestle, which obviously was an entrepreneur himself uh, by bringing, trying to solve a big problem of malnutrition in, in, in small kids and uh, kept on over the years to be nourish, n nourished into, into what we are today. So innovation, be it uh, in Nespresso, be it in, previously in Nescafe or in other type of brands we, we, we have, have always been part of the DNA of the company. And it's where we obviously put uh, the elements related to creativity and uh, entrepreneurship together with uh, the needs of people And through that, we create a new value for us as a company as, as well as for the people who buy our products. So it's part of, of the way we do business. Let me ask you about how those needs that you're talking about, how do, you, how do you find out what the needs are? What kind of methodologies and approaches do you have to figure out what people need and, and, and what you need to develop in order? Uh, well, first of all, the first, first way to communicate is through the feedback we receive from the consumers, uh, the people which are using our products. Through that, we can start seeing, obviously, if we meet what they need, if the product is not at the right standards in terms of uh, tasting profile, if people want something better or more. On top of that, you also have to look to the mega trends that are, that are around you. So you need to be able to percolate from these overall trends what's relative to you and to the brand or to the products that you're trying to serve. And then, of course, the conventional methods that uh, consumer research and always trying to be curious about what people think about you and about your products. And uh, it's done at, uh, at the market level. It's done at a global level. So we aggregate all this information, and this helps us to define the strategy for our portfolio and for our products. What are some of the, maybe I'm also curious, that the ones that are really at the front end, um, innovations that are started, what kind of methods are you looking into there The, the more qualitative methods, like not large uh, market re uh, research studies, but more like uh, there are new ideas and you're not really certain at all if this is something interesting or not. 
Well, the the the, the specific uh, specific areas, like you know, if you think about personalization, personalization is a very very broad term. You need to narrow it down to what it would mean for a food product. Are we going to have a, each one of us a different type of product, or we are going to cluster needs of people in order we can still be truthful to what we need to do in a more uh, bigger way than in a small niche way and still be able to create value for ourselves. So I think it's always a compromise between different elements. So like the microbiome, which is a emerging territory. So we normally see that there's some areas of science of technology we start picking up in terms of understanding, be it because of uh, publications, be it because of interest from public or more articles that are written that's, that's, that are in our so-called uh, radar screen then then require us to to work on uh, on uh, more uh, more investments in the specific areas to discover more new solutions in in, in, in the area. I mean, alternative proteins is another another area which is uh, on the on the, on the run. And obviously, there's a lot of a uh, lot of buzzwords around. But then when people are confronted with the reality, do they really want to not eat their steak and really go all vegetarian? So those are those are things you need to be ahead. And the risk with this is sometimes you're too ahead of the game. So you need to wait that things mature, and then when you when you when they're mature, you can go back and and, and reschedule that part. So the different areas, but 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 specifically these two ones, authenticity. Personalization are overall mega trends that impact uh, quite a large amount of industries, including ours. What do you think? Uh, what capabilities are needed today for the innovation game uh, at Nestle? What, what are you looking for, and what skill sets, what people, but also organizational capabilities? I would not define it as Nestle, but in general, these are general general principles that everybody has to to think about. Is first of all, be connected connect with the right people and with your future consumers. So, for example, we talk about, a lot about millennials, how we reconnect with the millennials when some of our products are maybe not geared to to address some all the needs that we have there. Are you connect with the digital natives, which is the new generation coming up, which were born with a tablet into, into, into their fingertips, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, be aware about that. Secondly, I think uh, experiment, experiment, experiment. You, you really need to be able to pivot a lot of your assumptions to make sure that you are going in the right therapy. Be on strategy. You need to do things which are in the area of the business strategy that's required for you to grow because it's very nice to work on, the big risk is innovation, you work on a lot of things that you might like but then don't fit into the business strategy. And put execution before strategy, so try things, so execute things, ideas, before you can really say this is going to be a big strategy for us. And uh, and that's why when you try at, at the initial phase, even if you fail, the people will say, oh, you should fail fast. Yeah, fail fast means when there's not a lot of stake. So try with a, with a discovery portfolio, which is quite broad, and then decide to follow the steps of, uh, of, uh, of uh, discovery in more and more deeper detail by putting all more money, more resources, and eventually hoping you get an exit into one of the Nestle businesses or, or somewhere else. How do you assemble teams, innovation teams, around uh, certain projects? Uh, like, w what are the considerations on that? Well, you should not have people all the same. You have to have diversity, and I would classify them in four four main main drivers, and then you can have a permutation of sixteen among the four right yeah. uh, uh, types. Well, you need to have people which are able to go out and and bring in ideas, but you only have those people; you go nowhere. Then you have to have another group of people, which are called more the prototyping people, the testing people, uh, which are people 
which are able to translate those ideas into something tangible that you can physically touch or look and feel. But again, if you're trying to refine these two people, keep on talking to each other, they will keep on coming with more prototypes, more ideas, more ideas to go nowhere. Then you have to have the people which are a bit more solid, which I would call them more the strategic type of people, if you, if you think about it. People who say, well, that's great, guys, but how are we going to make a business model? How are we going to make it happen? How we could make money? And again, three types of people like that in a room will bring you nowhere because you need to have a fundamental fourth element, which is the execution part. So you need people which are able to say, look, guys, I love your creativity. I love your strategy. I love everything. But we need we have money running out of our bank and we need to make something happen. So let's go for it. So those four typologies, we call them blue sky thinkers bringing ideas in. People are able to make it concrete. People are able to formulate a strategy. And then finally, the execution part are typically of a flow that you need to have an innovation process. Innovation framework that we always talk about. So that's a fundamental piece. And in between, so you have people which have these different characteristics can be totally sitting in one of the four models or can have permutation of the two. It's just following the, the whole brain thinking type of model. And you need to have those four people around it. That creates sometimes discomfort because not always everybody agrees. But, but if you are running a group of people like that, you can be sure something will come out of the box. Yeah, now that that's especially what, uh, exactly what I wanted to pinpoint into. It doesn't always run smoothly. What are the challenges if you put those different kind of profiles into one team? And what do you think is important to make it happen because you you see the potential, what can come out or what is necessary that a, a kind of a holistic innovation can come out of it? I think the, the, the you need to be able to be Well, let's remember in this complex environment of trying to do disruption or transformation, you have an, an additional layer besides your team is the stakeholder management, the people who give you the money or the people who don't think it's a good idea or other things. So you live in this type of bubble where on the outside you have this type of pressure that's created by the stakeholders, be it internal, external, whatever it is. And then you have the other conflict, which is the so-called internal one, because When the pressure gets mounted and you go through the different steps and you get more closer to starting to see something very tangible, that's where conflicts start arising in between the team. So I think it's, it's really important as a leader of this group that you need to be able to manage these different forces and, uh, and uh, focus on uh, the individual characteristics and make the best out of it and say, It's not a question of your idea or his idea or this strategy or that strategy or this execution. At the end, is a, a whole team that needs to win. It's not one individual. So I think you need to put the, the, the end effort ahead of everything else. And, and you might also need to, to change people in the run because you will see what you assembled is not probably the right team and you need to be prepared to do that, which is very painful because when you're in the middle of Changing things in the middle of, uh, of the run is difficult, but you have to accept it. Or bring new skills in. That's another way. You can keep your original team, but you bring new skills in because you see that you don't have enough of them inside the team. So it's not, a team normally is not only made of four people, right? So you can balance where the project is. If you need more creativity, you need more solid uh, executional part. Yeah, now you were mentioning leaders, and, and, and that's an, an important characteristic that you mentioned, kind of uh, seeing that uh, conflict potential and then helping to resolve that uh, or make changes. What are other characteristics that are important, you think, for leaders that, that are responsible for, for innovation? 
I think you need to have uh, resilience. Resilience is probably the number one characteristic. This, is, this environment that you walk in is a very insecure and ambiguous environment. You don't know if you're going to make it until the end. So you're living in a sort of a hanging ground. You know, if you run a factory, you run a factory. You know what you have to do. If you run a business, you run a business. If you run sales, you run sales. These are functionals that have been created since 100 years in the organization. The function of innovation, which is very cross-border, has no ground. And uh, until this is not, I would say, um, crystallized in an organization that you need to have somebody which is creating a sort of a cross-matrix across the organization and bringing uncomfort in the traditional roles, I think it would be a tough, tough uh, job to do. Mm. I would say who will succeed me in my job would be the most luckiest guy because I went through a lot of the hurdles. Um, so I, I, I strongly believe that uh, you, resilience is a very important characteristic. Um, capability of execution is very important. So strategy is lovely, but strategy doesn't give you to eat. It just gives you more scenarios. So executing an idea well is, is very important. And um, last but not least uh, is uh, good stakeholder management, good capability of relationships and be able to bring ideas with, diff- with the same idea but different perspective because there are different stakeholders in front of you which need to listen to a different story. So if, you are, if, if one person is a visual person, you need to present them visual elements. If a person is more concrete, is more your CFO, he wants more facts and figures, be able to understand that the idea needs to have different dresses depending on who is your audience and who are the people you need to convince that's a good idea. So I think these are important characteristics that in leadership you need to have. And the team itself needs also to have it in themselves to understand that it's a cause and effect. It's not that everything is blue, black and white. It, there's a lot of gray in between. And you need to get rid of this fuzzy gray by showing the different sides of the color. Let me ask you a question about, the, about culture, culture and, inv- and innovation. Uh, what do you think a, a good culture of innovation has and, and how... Can you influence it or how can you make sure that there is a culture where innovations can thrive better than others? What do you think is important? I think clarity is, uh, is very important. Uh, you need to have clarity. You need to have a good principle of, uh, of, of governance. So very clear. Define important, uh, uh, important uh, milestones. So in order that people know that you can have a lot of fuzziness, but there are few gates, not gates, but few points that you need to, anyhow, no matter what journey you have, you have to go through those key points. It's like the Internet. Uh, all information can go anywhere, but there's some nodal points in the Internet where all information has to go through. Without that, all information stays scattered. So very, very clear clarity, because the culture is very fuzzy, and it's very erratic and very ambiguous, People are able to, to, to know that there's certain type of spots that you need to, to, to hit. So that's one thing. Second, I would say uh, you need to have the right talent. So talent is required. And the talent is not always... And normally this talent comes to you and say, hey, can I do something for you? So create a sense of, of coalition around people who think about new ideas and crazy ideas. People will come to you and you will be able to spot that type of talent. And, uh, and I think you need capital. You need money. Because uh, fundamentally, 
all these things, talent and culture, would never work if there's not a certain amount of money to be able to test and learn your assumptions. In fact, we tend to say TCC, talent, culture, and capital, these three elements need to come together, being in a hot spot. It's not by chance in London you have TCC. In Israel you have TCC. In Silicon Valley you have TCC. In Italy, my home country, you have TC, but no no capital. And that's why people leave the country with their ideas and go to other places where you can get it. So, and here the Nordics, for example, there is money available, there's a talent, there's, there's a culture to do that. And that's why you see a lot of striving companies that make it and they're bought or sold or become big companies. So I think this is fundamental. It's not only the culture element. The culture is the important one. So the culture of wanting to take risks, the culture of wanting to try something new, the willingness to do things against uh, the norms. Those are important elements of culture, but you need the talent, I mean, the capability that's built into your education system, into the way you grow up. And I think today, digital nat- natives have it almost by default, that type of talent, right? And, and then the capital part, so it means the money, the budget, the, the, the way to be able to play with it for a period of time without needing to give any type of answer, but coming with a clear idea afterwards, and, this, and also be able to give up to it. Sometimes uh, it doesn't work in the company to say, okay, bye-bye. Yeah, what happens to team members that kind of, that do not really buy into either the culture or the working style or um, what do you do with those individuals that where you can see there's a clear misfit uh, either with the culture or the working style in a certain team and they are not willing to adapt? Maybe you need to admit you have done the wrong choice of selecting them to be part of your team or you compromise because you had nobody else you put them in. Uh, and I think a company like like a company with our size should be capable to find that person which is more into, into another type of area where things are much more clear and where he or she can deliver in a much more better and stronger way. So it's a question to be able to admit that in some cases you don't have the right uh, staffing in the project you want to do and still be able, because you took this person out of a, of a certain role, you need to have the responsibility to put back the person inside the organization. It's not his fault if you made the wrong choices. It's yours eventually that you, you need to make sure you are, you're finding it. And, and I think you will find it very quickly. Maybe not immediately. Immediately everything seems to be okay. But when the pressure starts mounting, that's where you see you have the, the wrong uh, characteristic in the team. And that's where you start seeing that the others are starting to complain. Because normally these are not big teams, eh? teams of five, six, seven people, eight people. And you start seeing contrast happening in between the team. Mm. That's a signal that you might need to do a few changes. Now let me put, a part of your presentation was very uh, much about digital as well. Uh, let me put <coughs> digital into the equation, digital and innovation. What do you think, if you reflect on those two uh, words, that new kind of wave of technological revolution that uh, we're in now and that will progress, what do you think is important to get right in terms of innovation? I think you need to start with the lowest denominator possible. Keep things very simple. It's a question of layers of layers of of digital that you will put on top of every layer. So you start from the basic level, which can have to do with uh, what I just explained, uh, the dog, right? The dog characteristic and you go for personalization. You can start with a chocolate uh, example where you start learning about aggregating data because that's all data which gets aggregated. You use algorithms, you decompose them, and then you create characteristics around the preference in Switzerland of chocolate, type of chocolate, based on a few individual characteristics. 
So it's the lowest level where you start aggregating data, digital data, digital information, so information which comes through, through other sources, and you start, because you have uh, uh, capabilities of computing you didn't have before, you can start creating, um, creating clusters, right? Or you can start understanding mechanism of actions of why people drink milk in the morning and not in the evening, right? So you start being able to get this. That's the lowest level. And then while you go through, it's like, it's like you know, a 3D printing. You start level one and you print, and then you do second level, the third level, and you put the different ingredients, one on top of the other. And, 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 and digital for me is the same thing. Very clearly, if you're in marketing, digital marketing is very easy because there's a lot of social information that comes back from your Facebook fans, from you know different elements or how many people interrogate Google with a certain question. Those important analytics that if you then translate them back are important, are important for you defining a bit how you move your brand or how you move your products in that type of area. Also, digital can also be used by posing a problem into the net and getting answers from the communities that want to give you answers. So there are very different levels where you can make use of putting your idea out and getting feedback in 24 hours. It's something you couldn't do before. Now digitally you can do it. You can virtually create um, an idea, a prototype, and then post it there and you get feedback. And they don't, will not know it's Nestle, but they know it's a company who's trying to figure out something and many people want to contribute to it. So the very, very low levels, and there are more sophisticated levels that we want to describe, which is really, wow, would be a platform to understand how we're doing as people by eating and moving and doing and working and other things and give us a, a mirror image of ourselves, who we are as individuals. And it's our choice then to be closer to the ideal Valerio or far away, and, but you know that if you're far away from the ideal person, there might be consequences down the line or not happen tomorrow. I don't know if you noticed when I asked how many people of you are using applications that track nutrition or other things, there were very few hands in the room. Mm. If I would have done the same in the U.S., there would be much more hands. So it's also a question of culture, where people are. I think we have much more a healthy lifestyle here in Europe than in the U.S. Therefore, we see less of the issues that you see walking in the street in the U.S. here. And that's why the readiness of that segmentation of population is different here than, and then, let's face it, here, all educated people, all people that probably know what to eat and what to do, but you do this in a much more social, economic level, which is much more lower, you will see you will start having other type of issues, and few people would like to have solutions like that. Let me ask another question about digital, because platforms are really coming into the game when we're talking digital. What is the view on platforms, and how important is it to engage, pla you know, to be engaged in platforms, building platforms, um, and with platforms, I mean the typical platforms that have been in consumer spaces and other places where it is a bit about the winner takes it all or maybe you have two or three platforms that survive, but one is really the dominant one. Well, you need to make a difference between a product and a platform. A product is an area where the few inputs, you're more in a safe area and, uh, and that's it. A platform is where things are open. A platform learns by the input of many and therefore you need to be much more open and put yourself into the, in a space where you might not feel comfortable. I believe uh, platforms will survive, products will die. So you, if, you really wanna, if you really want to be playing part of an ecosystem that is going to bring together, thanks to sensor technology, thanks to technology we don't have yet today, but will come. I mean, there was a question, would you put implants into your body? Probably now no, 
but in the future, maybe if it's safe, maybe you might want to put it because it, 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 it takes all your biological measurements and tells you you're doing fine or you're, you're thirsty, you need water. And we know hydration is important for your skin, for your body, for, for a lot of other features. So I think platforms, in my opinion, um, is going to be the future of anything, uh, uh, not only in, in our fear, but everywhere. So you will start having, because of that internet of everything, as I call it, I don't call it any other thing, is going to, to enable us to make decisions. And for making the decision, we need platforms that help us to make those decisions. Because if you receive an information about that your nutrient level is, I don't know, one or two or three, what do you do with it? But behind that nutrition level one, two or three, you have information regarding that you're short of some macro micronutrients, which are important to you in that moment because you're pregnant and therefore it's very important to have the right nutrition for feeding the, the baby that you bring inside in order that he or she, the baby, will not have any issues afterwards because we know that certain type of nutrient profiling are very important. I think that's a fundamental good platform. So I don't think you have one platform that fits everybody, but you will have platforms with different verticals for different needs and different, uh, different uh, jobs that need to be, be done by people. And if this is made easy and simple, people will adopt it. If it's complicated, forget about it. People don't have time. I'd like to know a bit about ecosystems. Now, you mentioned ecosystems, uh, how important it is to, to uh, create an ecosystem, be part of that ecosystem, Uh, when you think about innovation, when you think about digital? Well, uh, as I said, the problems we are going to face in the future are so big that one company by itself, no matter how big it is, will never be able to do it. Therefore, I think uh, 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 power coalitions or reciprocity is very, very important in this type of environment going forward. I think we could sit in our little you know, box and think about how we're going to do innovation I think the world is changing dramatically because the speed is much more faster. Therefore, the need of benefiting of each other's um, already ground groundwork that we might not be using. And again, we are we using so, so for example the whole area of digital nutrition. We have done years, probably decades of research in nutrition and the relation between nutrients and the body, and we we have worked at it. We shared it maybe at the academic level and other areas. But, and we have transferred some of this knowledge into the products that we are making today, specifically for products which are more health-related, like infant, uh, infant, uh, infant, uh, uh, the infant space and uh, maternal nutrition or Nestle Health Science, which works on, on, on some specific uh, generic products, but also in some specific streams like oncology and uh, diabetes, obesity. But we, we kept for ourselves. Now, imagine if a lot of the science could be brought to to other people, how, how much more we could, we could learn about nutrition, right? So therefore, cooperating with, uh, with, uh, with, with different, different industry or different uh, areas where today we naturally would not think about it would be important. So a company that has a lot of data processing power might be interesting because the amount of data we would need to share would be very important. Um, cyber security when you start thinking about personal nutrition I, I never thought about talking to a cyber security group but it becomes important because this data you need to make sure is secured and that's why we're talking with blue, blue, I never knew about blockchain now I know about blockchain so ecosystems are built by a nucleus of interest of wanting to solve a problem but then you need to see where you're weak and you saw in my slide I showed where some weak spots which we are still have to learn 
And probably to cover those weak spots is by partnering with other people and you create this type of ecosystem that is compenetrating with different needs and different solutions for assets that you might have in the company you're not using but might be very useful to somebody else in, uh, in another way. If you think about, I mean, I spoke to some of the guys in Volvo here and you think, why, unless the guy's talking to Volvo? Well, well, they just approached me first of all. But apart from that, think about it. Driveless cars. Driveless car means more time to do things in the car. More times is somebody figuring out well, what will people be doing in the car? How are they going to eat? How are they going to drink? Right? Maybe it's still very far away for us to think that way. But the changing habits and the different experiences people want to have are going to shape also our portfolio sooner or later. So I think that's why ecosystems are important because you need to connect with people which might not be really sitting on your doorsteps like a retailer in this case or you know a supplier of your of your coffee which is pretty natural but you might be sitting with other ones and mapping this into a disruptive project is is a good idea and also learning more about them and interacting and you will find out that some companies are ready for it and some people are totally far away and therefore you just have a nice conversation and that's it last question uh, valerio it's about, you know, now you've seen uh, innovation in R&D for, for many years. Uh, how do you see, if you look back, how do you see what are the changes and what do you think, why, what are the reasons for those changes if you look at how innovation is done and, and where it is going? Well, first of all, uh, I had the luxury of so running a business when I was in Singapore as a market head there, and uh, I've been operations. So I've been in many different areas of the company. So I don't believe only innovations around the product, but innovations around um, the whole the whole uh, enterprise, and you can apply different new ways of doing things, and that can create value for yourself, or for 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 customers, or for for consumers. So. I think innovation is a much more broader space. We tend to think about products because it's the natural fixation we have, but it's a much more broader way. Already being able to avoid to to put costs into 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 the system by finding a, a smart solution, which is an innovative solution to your factory, or being able to uh, being able to quantify the quality test of product unit by unit and not anymore by batch. Those are enormous leapfrog challenges that innovation will bring to you. When it comes to 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 let's so the more the research world, that's what we talk about discovery. And the discovery part again is not done only in your labs, but it's done across the world. And normally, it's clustered in some specific areas of the world where you have this famous TCC I was referring before, talent, culture, and capital. Uh, normally, is normally associated to some of the big university institutions. We had a couple of suppliers here, which come from startups that they're from Cambridge or from Imperial College in London. Or I'm sure if you would be in the states, you have MIT people there and Stanford people there. So uh, Israel is the same, by the way, and Singapore, Shanghai. These are really places where you have this TCC. So you need to be connected with these environments. These environments probably already have a solution that you might need to solve the, the bigger problem. And the challenge is how you bring these these elements inside, adopted then inside, and then brought to the next level. I think there's still a certain level of resistance of the non-inventor here syndrome in any organization. And that needs to be overcome. But I think with generation changes and with, with more people coming into the stream that have gone through this, you will see this is going to happen in a more natural way. But it's going to take 
quite some time. I was here three years ago. The subjects are very much the same, you know? It's just the action which has probably accelerated more. You start hearing people that are reporting now, not anymore to level two an organization, but reporting to level one. So things are moving, but, um, but I think still European culture is a bit still sitting on the back seat, and there's a lot of need to accelerate a bit with some catalyst of new thinking into this. And I think this conference is offering quite a lot of a good menu to look at the different different experience. The mere fact that technology has come big time this year in this conference with uh, your application, which is giving you immediate feedback, and you're able to aggregate thinking that before you needed probably 10 days to do it, and you do it over, overnight, I think this is a very good demonstration of how innovation can, can come into this world. Imagine using these type of tools for solving problems inside and you can immediately get these things going. Valerio, thank you very much for once again for your presentation and also for that uh, interesting discussion that we had. No, my pleasure and uh, looking forward to see some of the reports and the outcomes that come out of this conference. I think it's, it's certainly a, a noble, noble intent to, to diffuse innovation in a more broader sense. So thanks for inviting me and looking forward to next year. Thanks thank a lot. You. The video version of this podcast can be accessed via innovationroundtable.online. The Innovation Roundtable online network is your portal to a wide variety of exclusive content, including video presentations, interviews, insights reports, and articles. Not only that, innovationroundtable.online is also a place where you can connect with other corporate innovators, share experiences, request collaborations, and gain inspiration from your peers. Our network is exclusively for innovation practitioners and large firms, so visit innovationroundtable.online to discover more and request your seven-day free trial account.